Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the return of the Wrestlers with Experience podcast. Uh, Mark is, we're going to be doing the show. We're going to be, Mark will be doing NWA reviews and and um, IWGP reviews, and I'll be covering everything A- AEW and WWE. Um, my name is Dietrich Davis, as you already know, and you're listening to Wrestlers with Experience. So I want to thank you guys for coming back to the show and enjoying the content that we produced in the past. We took a, a pretty wide hiatus. I did a lot of traveling. I did a lot of business stuff. And this podcast is, means a lot to me. And I'm a big supporter of professional wrestling. That's number one. But what better time than to bring the podcast back now than what we just experienced tonight in the meet? Well, you'll be listening to this Sunday morning and afternoon. But I'm going to be reviewing uh, WrestleMania 36. And we're going to try to make sure you get this show at least three, four times a week. No questions asked. But um, in the midst of it, this was a very unique WrestleMania. The advertising was for Florida, the set, the, the, the pirate ship, the this, that, and the other. They had so many things in place and so many things that they wanted to do. And unfortunately, the world got hit by something called the coronavirus, a.k.a. also known as COVID-19. Well, there's the coronavirus and there's COVID-19, and I'm not a scientist. I'm not I'm not a chemist. I'm not here to play the conspiracy theory game, but the world of professional wrestling across the world has been shaken to the core. And on another episode, I'm going to talk about why I particularly like this moment in wrestling history. Um, that'll be a totally specific, uh, totally separate podcast, and I'll break all that down in detail then. But the reality is WrestleMania 36 part one just happened. And it's funny for about five or six years now, they were thinking about splitting WrestleMania into two nights. This has always been a talk of a town, the talk of the town. This has always been something that had been fairy, but they wasn't sure it worked. But in reality, to me, WrestleMania was already being too nice because when you have NXT TakeOver and you have... um. The Hall of Fame and so on and so on and so on. There's so much that's happening around WrestleMania season that, yeah, WrestleMania is really a weekend. So I wouldn't be shocked if WrestleMania started to begin to become a two-night event. Now, we all know, and I don't want to mix talking about New Japan or anything like that, but New Japan successfully did their first two-night event of Wrestle Kingdom. And it was a success. It worked. You didn't feel drained by a nine to ten hour show. WrestleMania last year was a seven and a half hour show, almost eight hours, not counting the the little details and this, that, and the other. So it was a little bit much. And also in another episode, I would have talked about how I would have produced this particular WrestleMania and how I would have 
change. I don't believe I would have changed, but I think if I would have had the air of the people involved, I would have created a totally new and different fan experience for WWE. Long story short, um, this was the first WrestleMania that happened without a crowd. Look, Vince McMahon pulled off WrestleMania one in a sold out building, and he bet the bet he bet the bank. WrestleMania two, he did it in multiple locations. He bet the bank. Uh, well, well, it wasn't well received, but it worked. Um, a formula he has never gone back to. And WrestleMania three, we know, set the tone that WrestleMania will be around for fifty years flat. Without hesitation, um, Andre the Giant and Hulk Hogan, that main event, that whole card set the tone of the future of professional wrestling. And that's why WrestleMania to a lot of WrestleMania three to a lot of people is very important. WrestleMania lines up with the Super Bowl, the NBA championships, the NFL playoff playoffs and so on and so on. So this is just one of those special nights. Um, no crowd in the building. Very unique experience. It was weird seeing WrestleMania put together in such a small avenue. There was, I don't, when it comes to putting together the show, this was the, this was the night of innovation. This is the night, I believe, nights, let me say that correctly, that we have all these guys who make masses amount of money working for WWE and the ideas should have been flowing through the roof. But with that said, let's get straight to the point. I mean, I, I'm I don't want to speculate too much. I don't not that I want to speculate. Speculate. I'm gonna go into that in other episodes. I just felt this was the time to create a new format of fan experience, and I I'm not I think I'm not gonna blame Triple H. I'm not gonna blame Vince, but I do blame people who are sitting in that company who could have pushed the envelope and reformatted a lot of things and. I'm going to put it on Twitter. My Twitter is at Dietrich Davis um, and my Instagram. And I'm going to put, I, I started drawing out how I would have set up this particular WrestleMania with the fan experience um, that I was thinking about and presenting. I don't consider myself a wrestler genius, but I have worked in marketing and advertising and I work in film and television. And the one thing you want to do is create the new fan experience. You're supposed to always change the way fans receive a product. Um, and when I used to wrestle, we wrestle, you know, sometimes you had a crowd of a couple of hundred or maybe 2000. And then sometimes you would have a crowd of no one. You know what I'm saying? So I think a lot of wrestlers over the f f past couple of weeks, a lot of talent got exposed. I'll talk about that in another episode. And we see who, we can see who is built for the future of this company. And if I had the, if I was head of talent relations, I would be putting a lot of names on a list to be letting them go. Fuck hoarding them. I will be letting a lot of people go because it, it a lot of people drop the ball or it, it, even even in the office, a lot of people drop the ball. With that being said, let's get on to our review of WrestleMania 36. Um, obviously, we had the kickoff show. The kickoff show was what it was. It didn't have that. Obviously, we all know it didn't have that WrestleMania feel. So we had Drew Gulak, uh, Gulak versus Cesaro. And that match, it was an okay kickoff show match. You know what I'm saying? Obviously, because of the coronavirus, we didn't have the 50-man battle royal. We didn't have a lot of too many wrestlers um, being in the ring. 
and we had Drew Gallick versus Sakaro uh, in the kickoff match, and it was okay. Cesaro won the match. It was I, I like the the helicopter spin he did on his shoulders without his hands and stuff like that uh, to Gulak. I'm not a fan of Gulak just yet. I think he has a lot more to prove. I think pairing him with Daniel Bryan was almost unique, but he seems not to sound like a pun or a line written by the WWE writing team. He seems like a C plus B plus player that I don't see him in the main event picture in the future. And I don't see him being someone that can move the business of professional wrestling forward. So I think I'm not going to say this was a throwaway match, but it's good to see that Cesaro is still somehow being considered as someone to move, uh, the show forward in a great way to kick off the match. Anything with Cesaro is great in general, but to have Cesaro kick off that particular match is one of those unique things. Um, the, 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 the kickoff show was just a lot of advertising, promoting the two nights, the matches and this, that, and the other. And then we have the first official match of WrestleMania, which was the women's WWE tag match, which was Alexa bliss and Nikki cross versus Oscar and Carrie Zane. And, I don't know. This match, Asuka always brings it. Carrie Zane, uh, Kari Zane always brings it. But it just seems, I don't I don't know if I'm feeling the tag team of Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross. I'm going to give this match. So me and Mark created a rating system, which would be bottom rope, which would be the rank, the, the apron, bottom, bottom rope, second rope, top rope. Top rope being best, apron being the worst. And honest to God truth, I'm gonna say this was a second rope match. It I felt it this was no different than what they always given us on SmackDown. And maybe I'm not gonna blame it being the lack of a crowd. Because there was a few matches tonight that proved that you didn't need a crowd to put on a performance. And that's a fact. So I'm not gonna blame the crowd not being there. I think the combination of the four just wasn't a good setup. And I think uh, Kari Zane's and Asuka's aggressiveness probably should have been matched better if it was Beth Phoenix and Natalia side by side taking on those two and winning those championships because of their aggression, aggression and their ruthlessness. They're great at what they do and to come and they are not scared to take a punch and they're not scared to throw a punch. And I don't felt we got that from. Alexa, Alexa Bliss and her partner Nikki Cross. They obviously won the match. They became the new WWE Women's Tag Team Championships. That's great, but I don't see where the payoff was with them winning the match. And I think because of what was happening was happening in the world, it was just used them to get them over. Personally, I think they should have kept the belts on Kari Zane, uh, Kari Zane and um, Asuka and allowed them to put them in more matches and actually build them in matches that would get them to move forward and stuff like that. So that's one of those things that I don't know. I just wasn't feeling about that. Um, they go to a, a section where Carrie, uh, where we see uh Shea Blazer backstage. She's warming up. They're promoting a lot of stuff. They're, they're, they're going through the average advertising because I think, you know, they're putting this shit together as best as they can. And I think they could have did a whole lot better. Then we get Elias versus uh, King Baron Corbin. Look, King Corbin, um, he's not a bad wrestler. He's not a great wrestler, but this was a match that it, Elias definitely has a future in the WWE, but they got to find something to do with Elias. They got to 
we 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 know he sings and we we you don't want to keep him in that Jeff Jarrett singing guitarsman thing even though he gets it over through the roof but there has to be I think we're at the point where we need a transitioning point where he transitions to that next level. I think he needs a championship. I think he needs a intercontinental title. I think he needs a United States title and he needs to become the WWE's workhorse and I'm going to say in my personal opinion that he carried Corbin in a few points in this match. And I felt things could have been a lot better and a lot more presented and a lot more laid out. But I think you have a lot of wrestlers who are just, they don't know how to work without a crowd. And you got to learn how to play to the camera. You know, when I, when, when I started wrestling back in 2000, we didn't have a crowd. We had one or two people. So we were recorded and put it on public access television. And in reality, we learned how to play to the crowd. And not to the crowd, to the camera. And I think a lot of wrestlers, they're conf- even though they went out there and had these matches, 95% of these wrestlers on this first night of WrestleMania, confidence only comes from a crowd. And that's not good. With that being said, um, I believe uh, yeah, Elias wins the match. It was it was what it was. It didn't feel again. This night didn't have the WrestleMania feel. It had the WrestleMania logo, but not the WrestleMania feel. Only a few times it had that. Um, we get the video package for the next match, which is obviously the Raw Women's Championship match, which is Shayna Blazer and Becky Lynch. I was not feeling this match at all. Say, uh, Blazer definitely has a future with the company. I'm not even going to argue with that. But at they, uh, I think once they let Becky, Becky Lynch obviously is the winner of this match. And once Becky won the match, it shows you that they don't see a future with Blazer. And I think they should have been building Blazer versus Becky for about six months. The problem is, is these two month builds. This WrestleMania, every WrestleMania last year, we got three month builds. The year before that, we got four month builds. And some of these people are only having maybe five weeks, maybe a month to build something. And it's not giving us the field that we think they have. And I honestly got truth. I don't think Becky Lynch should be champion right now. And truth be told, I don't think Shayna Blazer is ready to be Raw's Women's Champion, so I, I, I'm gonna say for the first time this match was a bottom uh, was was this was an apron style match for me. It was it was it was the apron. There was nothing good in it. I didn't feel it. I didn't like it. It just you know it just didn't have that feeling. And again, I'm gonna be saying this a few more times in this particular episode of the podcast. It had nothing to do with the crowd not being there. It just didn't work with these two. And Blazer, uh, Blazer, ba- Blazer should have came off. Baszler should have came off more of an animal. And even if she lost, it shouldn't have been her being emotional. It should have been her taking a loss and then her still wrecking Becky Lynch, continuing that she is this emotionless head tear off. I will rip you apart, animal. I'll eat this loss, but it's not over yet by a long shot you get what i'm saying like she should have had that roughness and i don't like the fact that she had to play as a weak woman who took a loss i think she should have walked out still with her head held high even though she took the l and she should this is where they should have kept building them to let's say move them over to SummerSlam for a better match and a better program um that's for certain 
<sighs> it's an apron match. I'll, I'll give you that much. Moving forward, um, then we had the WWE Intercontinental Championship match, which was Daniel Bryan versus Sami Zayn. Um, I'm be honest with you, wasn't feeling it. Wasn't feeling it. I be I, I believe they. Sami Zayn won, is the winner of this particular match, and I'm not going to spend much time on it, but I believe Sami Zayn should have dropped the title to um, Daniel Bryan and allowed Daniel Bryan to build that title and give Daniel Bryan a nice year or two-year run with that title because that's the time, again, he's a workhorse. So if you have him as a workhorse champion – he would be able to carry the mid card and help them get to the main event because Daniel Bryan at, at any moment he could be the main event. And in case you have a, a heavyweight champion, whether universal or WWE champion who doesn't show up, you can have Daniel Bryan close out every Monday night raw or every SmackDown, obviously SmackDown, but you can have him main event every night and you won't feel like you're missing your world heavyweight champion in case your world heavyweight champion is not premiered on that particular show so i think they dropped the ball i think daniel bryan should have won the title you should have let daniel bryan carry in the new age of the intercontinental champions and let him get that title one more time and let him run with it that's the person you should have he, he should be carrying that belt for two years flat and Sami Zayn, I'm not feeling his new look. I'm not feeling his squad. It just doesn't make any sense. And I think they got a champion on a guy who they don't know where they're going and they don't know the payoffs. And they threw away a payoff here. And WrestleMania is the night of payoffs. You know, we we us the fans get WrestleMania moments and the wrestlers get the payoff. You know, us the the wrestler gets the WWE moment, but we get the payoffs. Excuse me. And again, we have another match that gave no payoff, no nothing. I believe only one match did that tonight. Two matches did that tonight, and we'll get there to it. Moving forward, which is one of my favorite matches of the night, is a triple threat ladder match um, for, the t for the SmackDown Tag Team titles, Coffee Kingston versus Jimmy Oso versus John Morrison. Honest to God, truth, they should just call these the Universal Tag Team Champions. Take off the term SmackDown. You got the Universal Championship over on that show. Call that the Universal Tag Team Championship. Call the Women's Championship the Universal um, Women's Championship. And, you know, that's about it. There needs to be some rebranding around these belts, definitely, without question. And the, woman, the only thing that should stay a single name is the Women's Tag Team Championships. But anyhow, so we had... Um, this was very unique. I think this is also because of the COVID thing that they decide to select one person from each team to represent. They didn't have their excuse me. They didn't have their partners out there to quarterback them or to put them in position. So we had Kofi Kingston versus Jimmy Uso versus John Morrison. Um, this match was phenomenal. They barely missed a step. When I'm talking about everybody, even when they open in the match. You didn't need a crowd to start applauding in your household to know that even in the first 30 seconds, the first minute of this match, they shut the tone and show how in sequence that they are. And they didn't come off as acrobats. They didn't come off as performers. They came off as wrestlers who are wrestling in a high profile match. And you felt that they were representing their team, even though, excuse me, even though it was a individual thing. 
and I thought that was great. I thought that was on point. The pace stayed correct. They slowed down when they needed to slow down. They didn't overdo it with the ladder work. The ladder was a mechanic. The, la the ladder was the fourth. The, each ladder, technically, the ladders were their tag team partners, and they utilized everything correctly. Um, even the ending with the snatching up where all of them grabbed the belt and all three belts came down, that would have, with a crowd, that would have been great. But you, you, you realized it was a mistake. And this is the match that shows you that um, this is the particular match that shows you that the crowd not being there did not affect the talent. These three men went out there and performed. And if you was watching at home, you enjoyed this match. And I'm pretty sure this is a lot of people's favorites on this particular night. Um, just a phenomenal match. Um, Jimmy Uso, he was performing. Let, let, let's, let's, let's not get it twisted. Jimmy was performing. John Morrison was performing. I mean, Coffee Kingston is always phenomenal. But I think the star of this particular match was 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 definitely Jimmy Uso. And if I had to rate it with our rating system, apron being the bottom, second rope being okay, third rope being, I mean, uh, for, uh, apron being horrible, um, first rope being, ah, eh, it got through the night. Second rope being, it was a decent match. But that top rope, this was a top rope match. They actually set the tone. They put it together. And this, in my personal opinion, should have opened WrestleMania in general. No, they should even have had a kickoff show. This match should have opened WrestleMania. No questions asked. It was just a phenomenal show. Excuse me, it's very late at night that I'm reviewing this. I watched WrestleMania twice so I can have my emotions uh my emotions and my train of thought right about that but john morrison won the belt you had coffee kingston arguing about everything and this that and the other but you know miz and morrison you didn't you don't feel bad that miz you don't feel cheated by miz and morrison carrying the title uh and you don't feel like kofi lost out or the usos last lost out right now the two right men are carrying the SmackDown Tag Team Championships, and I think that's just accurate. Then you had Kevin um, Kevin, Ove Kevin Owens versus Seth Rollins. And I don't know. I'm 50-50 with this match. It was an okay match. Uh, if I had to rate it, I'll give it a second rope in reality. Um, Kevin Owens, always a great performer. Those two, both of them are great performers. But I felt as if the the match was just. I think they was just trying to get to the end of the match. I, I don't think I don't think they were trying to. I don't. Again, these are two men. I don't think they know how to perform without a crowd. And this is an example of what I don't like, especially. And maybe the other match took a little bit out of out of me as a uh, as a supporter of wrestling and stuff like that. I just felt like the the Kevin Owens and Seth Rollins match, Rollins match was just not my thing. Um like I said, I I'll, I'll give it a, a decent second rope uh, as a rating, but I'm just just not feeling it at all. Um then they and then when they try to readjust the match and call it a, a, a no DQ match, I just, I don't know, you know. And then you had Kevin Owens officially win the match. So technically Kevin Owens uh, 
got two WrestleMania wins in one night because, you know, the theme was that he's never even won a wrestling match, a, a WrestleMania match. So he technically got two wins in one night, and it was what it was. Then we go on to the semi-main event, which was the WWE title, WWE Universal Championship title match, which was Braun Strowman versus Bill Goldberg. There's not much to say in this match. One, I'm glad Roman Reigns was not in this match. No disrespect to Roman, but he has been force-feed. It's not that he's not a fan. It's just we've been fed the main event of Roman Reigns consistently over and over and over again. And I'm personally not completely. It's not that I'm not sold on Roman. Roman doesn't. Roman stardom doesn't need a championship. I think in another two or three years, it'll be Roman's time to once again hold that championship belt because Roman is going to uniquely become, and people may disagree with me, but he's going to have that uh, Undertaker championship feel to him to where you got a lot of champions where the, they comp, where the belt helps them and complements them. And Roman is going to become the type of champion where he complements the belt. And he's going to be the right man. But right now, Roman is a lot uh, is force-fed when it comes to the world title picture. And no one wanted to see him and Goldberg for the title, especially with Goldberg taking that title off of um, the fiend Bray Wyatt. So this match was very simple. I'm going to give it a second rope. It was an okay match. Honest to God, truth. Goldberg did his thing. Six spears. They didn't even allow him to do the jackhammer. We knew he couldn't get Braun Strowman up. He's not the 35-year-old Goldberg we know from WCW, fresh out the NFL, jacked full of power, and and this, that, and the other. But for some reason, this is my favorite moment of this. This is my second favorite moment of the night. And it was seeing Braun Strowman after he hit him with the three power slams. And maybe Braun Strowman needs a new finisher, a choke slam or something like that. But we got a new WWE Universal Championship. And if this was done in front of a live studio audience, the fans would have been on their feet. Because Braun Strowman is more than deserving to becoming the WWE Universal Champion. And I think even though this was a last minute pick, he's the right person for the job. And I enjoyed, I enjoyed it. I appreciate it. And even though it was less than a five-minute match, that was what we needed just to get that belt off of Goldberg. And I liked that. I liked him winning the match. And I think they should let Braun run with that championship for a year. He should be a monster with a championship. No questions asked. He should be a monster with a championship. And he should not eat a pin at all for a year he needs to go into next year's if you, next year's wrestlemania as the wwe universal champion and um you could tell they filmed it during the day obviously because he was um they did a, 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 a what you call it with him in the back on the website and on the youtube channel and you could tell he was happy it didn't matter to him that he didn't need win it in front of a crowd and again braun Strowman didn't make you feel as if he needed the crowd and i really like that I think Braun is the right champion, and if they smart, let him run with that championship until WrestleMania 37 and find someone to build to take that title off of him or let him retain. This is the time that they should go back to the old school methods and let a big man be a big man, and Braun should destroy all competitors until one steps up, especially with them having two world heavyweight championships in the company. 
Um, we get a promo for WrestleMania 37, which goes to Hollywood. Thank God there'll be an audience for that one. Um, and then we get the Boneyard match, which is AJ Styles versus The Undertaker. I didn't know what to expect from this. This was like watching a movie. And I had said um, to my to Mark, the co-host, one of the other hosts of this particular show, and I said to Mark, I would have filmed a lot of these matches like cinematic films in a movie. I would have definitely approached this movie style. And this Undertaker Barnyard match did not make the Taker look bad. It made him look good. He was in shape. He was ready to go. I like the way he rode into the into the town. I think his song was done by Metallica. I might be 100% wrong by that. Do not hold me to it. But the Undertaker, it was it was dope. When he put his hand through the window, I thought he was going to say, oh, shit. But he said, son of a bitch. He came off as that old biker who cooks meth and this, that, and the other. But they didn't take away the Undertaker mystique. Him, Ryan, and him, AJ Styles, and him, they put on a great match. You know, I can't, you know, it was cinematic. You know, they added the punches to create effects and stuff like that. But they legitly put on a phenomenal fucking match with the age of the undertaker. You didn't even think about how old the undertaker was. You just knew he was, he was in a fight and it felt good. And I think this was, this closed out WrestleMania. Um, the way he rode off with the lighting of the TX on the how on the, on the shed and the fire going up and the way he rolled out of there. Um, it was just dope when he, he, he puts a, he, he puts his bandana back on, gets back on his motorcycle and rides off to the sunset, you know? And then I like when he took the, uh, the green itch, the shrubs off the casket and it showed the AJ Styles casket. He was standing in front of with the original promo. So this match did not hurt the undertaker. It was a fun match. They did. They fucking thing with that match. You didn't need the crowd for it. And I think when it comes to the undertaker, they should give us, more stuff like this to if you're gonna keep the Undertaker going for another five years, this is the format to do it with with the Undertaker. Um, and he closed out the show. I thought it was dope. Things that I would have done different with this year's WrestleMania, with there being no audience, I would have went and done something that hasn't been done in a long time. I believe it was Owen Hart versus versus Dan Severin in the Lions Den match. And I would have built a lion's den cage and in a separate area. And I would have done a lion's den match between uh, Blazer and um, Becky Lynch. I think that would have been the perfect way to present them and to make it more of a dog fight. That's one of the things I would have done different. Again, like I said, I would have added Natalia and Beth Phoenix into the tag team championship match and removed um, Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross, and I think I would have pulled, to be very honest, I would have pulled the Cesaro match and not have done that at all, and I also would have pulled, I would have pulled Elias versus Corbin or got Elias in there with someone else other than Baron Corbin. I think Elias needed a better dance partner for tonight. But for WrestleMania Part 1, I'm not mad at it, and I think it's good that they did this like this it, it it's it'll help us appreciate when the crowds come back but i'm not mad at this wrestlemania it's just a different type of wrestlemania 
I'm not mad at it. Um, I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed it for what it was. And I'll leave it just like that. So with that being said, this is uh, Dietrich Davis with his re my review of WrestleMania 36 Part 1. Night one, however, the branding you want to incorporate in your head. I thank you guys for listening to the podcast. And tomorrow you will get, um, well, you're getting this technically on Sunday. So Monday you will get my review of WrestleMania 36 part two. Um, the song that I played in the beginning was the hands that feed the, the, the hand that feeds it's by Nine Inch Nails. I always loved that song. I thought it was a dope song. I thought it was WrestleMania style appropriate reviews. So with the opening, I'll make sure to talk about next time before I just play the song in the beginning. Once again, Mark will be bringing you, Mark, uh, Mark Knight Morell will be bringing you reviews from New Japan starting in the next week and a half from New Japan and New Japan and NWA in general. And he will also be reviewing classic NWA matches and stuff like that. And we'll be reviewing a lot of, you know, we're just going to cover all things wrestling. So once again, I thank you guys for listening. I leave you with the song, The Hands That Feeds by Nine Inch Nails. Enjoy. I appreciate you guys. Thank you so much. Speak to you tomorrow. Stay